Sporting Goss with Tim Gossage. Thanks for your company. It is Tuesday and you're dead right, April. We are counting down to the Olympic Games and I have a special guest coming up after 11 o'clock who is going to Tokyo and had a giant-sized boarding pass in her photo last night and it is a remarkable story, a story that she didn't want to create but was caught up in the crosshairs of some pretty dramatic and dark times for the sport of hockey. Hockey Roos goalkeeper Rachel Lynch has broken her silence in regards to the battle, the battle after being dumped by the program, her rights to get back into the program, her legal fight to get back in and then to win her spot. And last night she was given the opportunity to announce she was going to Tokyo. Rachel has done heaps in the Are You OK space. For several months I have tried to get Rachel to the phone to tell her story. She has politely refused. But today... After 11 o'clock, we will be chatting. We will hear her story. We will hear the dark times. We'll hear who helped her. And we'll hear about what's next. A great story, one of resilience, one of respect, and one that I'm sure you will enjoy. 131255. You can download sen.com.au. You can get podcasts. But stay with us because after 11 o'clock, I really enjoy our chat with Rachel Lynch, who is a quality young woman. 0487 736 736 is our text number. And you will need the text number to answer our Who Am I? And yesterday we asked the exact same question, but we were only on for an hour and we've come back to a numerous amount of responses, but they're all wrong. So we're going to ask again. And we ask this question, Who Am I? Played for three AFL clubs. One of those clubs was a debut club. I played in the first season when the club was developed. I also played in four wins from four games against the Fremantle Dockers. I was unbeaten in four games against the Fremantle Dockers. Who am I? Three clubs. I was a part of the inaugural squad of one of those clubs and I played in four out of four games against Fremantle and won all four. Who am I? 0487-736-736. On Tuesday, Aaron Delaport joins us. Useless AFL stats. We head north because that's where the Pro-Am golf circuit went on the weekend to Geraldton, Spalding Park, we speak with the winner, Hayden Barron. Corey Homicide-Williams joins us to talk about tonight's fixture between South East Melbourne, Phoenix and Melbourne United. And Tyson Beattie will be in our studio and we will be discussing star-spangled banter. The Phillies are down by two against Atlanta. 2-1 is the series. Philly lead, 49.6 seconds left. And there is... On the line, it is Atlanta. So 49.6 seconds left. The uh, 76ers lead the series 2-1. Atlanta now up by three, and they've called a timeout with 49.6 seconds left. Big show. Want to hear from you? 13-12-55 or text us 0487-736-736. And if you are guessing the Who Am I Today, 
always put your name and where you're listening. It always gives us a greater understanding of our listening audience. Three AFL clubs I played with and the inaugural season with one of those clubs and I played in four games against Fremantle and won all four. 0487 736 736. The 76ers, not the Phillies. I do apologise. Let's talk basketball. They're up six. And they beat the press. Travers again for Mooney. It's party time at RAC Arena. So there was the closing stages of last night's win. The Perth Wildcats into yet another grand final. Of course, they'll play the winner of United and Melbourne Phoenix, who play their third game tonight. And the news through after last night's game is the Perth Wildcats uh, will will be hosting the first two games of the grand final series on Friday night and then on Sunday. And that is good news to the Red Army. One man who was a part of last night's performance and he came to the Perth Wildcats. He was keen to play in a grand final. He's keen to win a championship and that is Kevin White. And he did his job again last night. Congratulations, Whitey. Nice work. Thank you very much, mate. Really appreciate it. Um, yeah, obviously, you get over here, get over to the Red Army and get over to Perth. And the goal is obviously to make, make finals and then anything can happen. So uh, we've done that and we've got a chance to win a championship. So it's pretty special. Yeah, challenged again last night. Illawarra certainly uh, have been one of the big improvers under, obviously, the guidance of Brian Gorgian. I mean, he's a very meticulous coach. They challenged you several times and you had some you know some trouble, especially after half time. I think you had a 16-point lead at the long break and they went on a 12-0 and run and the coach went absolutely cocoa bananas. <laughs> Yeah, that's the way those games go. It's a it's a bit of a chess match. Um, we did have control of that game, and, and I felt like we kind of we knew they were going to come out um, with energy and come out to to try and peg it back and get after us a little bit. And we just didn't handle that pressure the right way. Um, we could have made a couple plays in that stretch where they made a fourteen zero run. LT um, on the fast break tried to throw a lob to John and. He probably should have, the dunk he did at the end of the game after copping a space for Trev, he probably should have done that in the middle of the third quarter and would have got that place absolutely rocking like it was at the end of the game. and Could have could have kind of stunned their momentum a little bit, but we'll live, um, live on another day and we get to learn from that. We get to sit down and watch film tomorrow and, and go about our business and, and watch the game tonight and see who we've got in the grand final. But, um, you know, that's a hell of an effort for Illawarra. Um, you know, they, they weren't really... I mean, people picked them to be in the four. Gorge did a fantastic job with them and, um, you know, and they just ran into us. Yeah, very <laughs> yeah, very much so. A very seasoned team. But you've done it without Bryce Cotton. And I know everyone probably is sick of hearing that. But, I mean, when you're the best player in the league and you've dominated the competition and then you don't have him running the show, of course, and knocking down 30 points. I mean, that's a big chunk out of any lineup. Um so I suppose it's time for other people to step up. And Norton's done that, albeit he plays good, solid basketball. But again, last night, and Luke Travers, who didn't have a great game last night, he was shooting at about 25%. He really had an off night, but he had a great series before that. The first two games, outstanding. But all of a sudden, the publicity and the focus goes on him. And it looks like Illawarra tried to sort of shut him down. But then down the stretch, he pulls in a rebound, goes coast to coast, jams it down. And they're the moments, aren't they? They're the moments that uh, 19-year-olds will take. Yeah, and I think um, it's all a growing process for LT. At the start of the year, he, he came in and obviously started because we were 
had a few guys injured and then McKilk gets out. And, um, you know, the DC thing, um, it is what it is at the end of the day and we've still got to find a way to win and that's what this group's done and that's what Trev does is he does a great job of he's put this group together no matter who's in, on the floor or off the floor. His system works and it's been proven over, what is it, eight years now? He's he's uh, I think he's shown everyone that he's, he's a pretty good coach and he knows what he's doing. So if we follow the system... Um, it works, and that's what happens when whether whether you got BC on the floor or not, and yep. um, everyone's just working their asses off and playing hard and getting after it and competing, and and that's what you want when you go out in the basketball court. You want to you want to get out there and you want to compete, and I think that's what we do a great job of. Um, and LT is a big part of that. He's he's just a kid. Um, he's 19 years old, and last night I think. Even though Illawarra tried to get after him and stop him a little bit, his influence on the game is massive. Um, you know, he takes some of the limelight for away from Toddy, and now Toddy is able to to knock down a few shots, and um, John's able to just pick and pop a little bit, um, and then Mitch just does his thing um, and controlled the game unbelievably well for a guy who couldn't touch the floor in game two two nights ago. So. When you add all those things in together, you get what we got, and um, it's a recipe for good things to come. We'll talk about the opposition and who the opposition could be in a moment. Last one on last night. Uh, Trevor Gleeson is a passionate coach. I get that. I understand it. But he doesn't take any prisoners when it comes to giving a cook. He gave one to John Mooney about certain things, and Mooney copped it sweet and came out and did his thing. I reckon he stopped you and your tracks going to the bench at one stage as well. Would you like to share with the listeners what that conversation was about? (laughs) Yeah, it was about taking care of the ball. Um, obviously, he's a coach and, and it doesn't matter. He holds everyone accountable and everyone to the same standard. And that's why um, this organisation and the club and the team does so well. Is because it doesn't matter who you are, whether it's BC, whether it's Norto, whether it's me or whether it's one of the young guys. You're held to the same, same standard and the same accountability from top to bottom. And that's what you want. Um, he just spoke to me about taking care of the ball. They made a run back at us. They got it back to four or five points. We stretched it back out to nine. And then we had a couple of possessions there where I was on the floor. And, um, and I made just a, a bad mistake in throwing a ball to John that then turned over. And uh, they ended up with two points. So, you know, just time and score and um, the decision that I made was just the wrong one. And he, he just let me know about it, and that's okay. That's that's what a coach, that's what a head coach does, and and it, um, you know it is what it is. You didn't look back. You just walked straight to the bench. I like that. I mean, and you know that, and you know what? You know the cameras are on you. You know the fans are looking. You know the coach is going to look back at the vision. If you roll your eyes or say anything under your breath, it just every, it, uh, there's nowhere to turn, mate. There's a camera at every six degrees. Well, there's also no point. Um, yeah, he was right. So and the and the film shows that um, we'll sit down and we'll watch some of you and, and you just got to take it on the chin whether whether you agree with it or not. Um, you know, it, there's no point arguing or fighting. And I'm not saying Trev was wrong in what he did. I'm not saying he was right. Um, but he owns his mistakes when he when he has them, and that's what I think makes him a great coach. Is when he's right. Um, you know, players can see it in the film and the review, and when he's wrong, Trev owns up to it. And he's done that this series. Um, he thought he made a few mistakes in game one, and um, and he corrected it in game two and three and made some adjustments in our game plan, and, and obviously we got the results through those adjustments. So. 
Okay. So, yeah, um, yeah. He's a good coach. He's a good coach, and you're a very he good is, team. So is. you're in the grand final. So Caddies will play either United or Phoenix. First two games of the five-game grand final series are at home, so they won't be zigzagging across the country because of COVID. We get all that. But forget about games three, four, and five. Um, many believe, and this is a generic conversation, that everyone thinks that if United make the grand final, you're going to be right up against it uh, because of what they've got and what you don't have. But at the same time, as they believe that you can get the job done on Phoenix, do you subscribe to that theory or do you think you don't care who you play? You're there and you'll just do what you need to do. Yeah, I think um, we haven't really had much time to think about it, to be honest. Uh, as a group, we kind of we found out um, pretty much as soon as the game ended that we were getting game one and two. And, um, although that might seem like a massive advantage, um, sometimes it's nice as an underdog um, against if we were to come up against United to get a free swing at, um, at winning home court back and playing on their floor. Um, but at the same time, to play in front of the Red Army in a grand final is going to be amazing. I don't think it really matters who we play. Um, this group has done a great job of just focusing on winning basketball games and, and taking care of business, and at the end of the day, we've got to win three games um, to do what we set out to do at the start of the year. So whether it's United, whether it's Phoenix, um, we've still got to win three basketball games. And whether you look at the opponent and focus on that, I think that takes away from your ability as a team to to kind of knuckle down and get the right things done. Um, and all year we've spoken about when we concentrate on us and focus on us, that's when we're really good. And I think that's what this week will be about. Um, 80% um, focusing on us and 20% looking at the opposition. So we'll sit down, we'll enjoy tonight, um, and, and hopefully it goes to about eight overtime. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and they get and they get three ha- three hamstring injuries, a couple of players suspended, coaches sent to the. No, we don't want we don't we don't want anyone injured. No, fair point. Fair point. Um, you 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 want to have a crack at, at the best teams, and you want to play the best teams, and that's what that's what this grand final series will be about. It. We don't really mind who we play, um, and whoever it is will focus on us, and, and we'll, we'll give it a red hot crack. That's for sure. That's for sure. Yeah, do you watch it as a, a team or do you just do your normal thing? No, today's today's off. It's been a pretty heavy schedule the last kind of week and a half. Um, so just you kind of sit down and, and watch it with your family or watch it with whoever you're around. Yeah. Um, what are you doing? And, what are you doing? You know, on, what are you doing on your day off then? What are you going to do? <laughs> today I'll get down to the beach, no matter what the weather's like, get in the ocean and uh, and go for a swim and kind of sit down and relax watch some NBA and, and take it easy and just kind of remove yourself uh, from your Wildcats hat and take a bit of a break, but it's it's nice. Uh, and then sit down and watch the game tonight. And, yeah, like I said, it doesn't really matter who wins for us. We've still got to win three basketball games. Yeah, good on you, mate. Hey, well done. Well done on, on that series that you've just got through. Uh, a valuable contributor. Again, you mentioned it last time. You know your role. You're not, you know what you're here for. And you're playing a major role in the Wildcats into another grand final. And, uh, as you as you are well aware, as being as an adopted West Australian for the last twelve months, the Wildcats command back page news whenever this happens. Front page, they lead the television news. I'm sure this is new, uncharted territory for you. Have uh, how big a basketball team commands in the media landscape? Yeah, I mean it's. Uh, uh, I, I kind of got a feel for it when Nordo and, and Nick moved over here um, a few years ago. 
because uh, we were teammates at Illawarra and then they obviously signed over here. So I have had a feel for it. Um, I played it. I played Perth plenty of times and been knocked out by them twice in a uh, semi-final and grand final series. And, you know, it's, it's amazing um, what they continue to do and what they will continue to do. Um, and it's amazing the support they get from from the whole community over here. Um, I think that's a special thing in itself, the amount of people that get in and around the club and, and support it. And we're walking down the street yesterday and people are, congr- are wishing us luck in our game. And, you know, when, when that starts to happen, you realise the buzz around the place and you realise how special it is to be a wildcat. And, and uh, at the end of the day, if I can hang my hat up, and people walk down the street and congratulate us on the season or congratulate us on a game. That's that's what you kind of want. You want some acknowledgement for the effort you put in, and I think this team's doing that. And um, hopefully, we can give some something for some people to cheer about in the next week or two. Yeah, you will. And if you lose, we'll come and eat you. <laughs> They're pretty good at that too. They don't like that's, losing. They don't like right. losing, Whitey. They we, don't like losing. That is okay. We'll. Uh, Hopefully we don't have to. We'll cross that bridge when it comes exactly. to it, but hopefully not. Good on you, mate. Appreciate your time. Enjoy your day off. Enjoy the beach. Good on you, mate. Thanks no for the chat. Mate. Good on you. Take it easy, Kevin bye. White, Perth Wildcats. He was a main player in that series over the Hawks. He was the key at various stages in the game. He played, I think, at 12 minutes last night, and they were a very good 12 minutes. We'll take a break. Come back. Wildcats fans, you've got two of the first five games in the grand final series. They'll be at Friday night at RAC Arena. Tip-off will be 6.30, and then again on Sunday at 3 o'clock at RAC Arena. United and Phoenix, they play game three tonight. We'll take a break. Come back. Plenty more on this wet Tuesday. Not a great day to go to the beach. Kevin, but anyway, that's your choice. We'll take a break. This is the Sporting Goss. Twenty-five past ten. Thanks for your company. We're here until midday on a wet day. Make sure you drive carefully and have your headlights on. Still to come, Aaron Delaport, useless AFL stats. And after eleven o'clock, this one I don't want you to miss. Rachel Lynch. You'd know Rachel Lynch. She plays for the Hockey Roos. She is going to the Olympic Games. It was announced officially last night on her socials. But it's been a journey. It's been a really tough journey. She lost her spot in the hockey program. There was a national inquiry, huge inquiry, heads rolled. She had to fight her way back into the system with help from friends, family and legals. She got back in. Then she had to go to New Zealand and prove that she still had what it takes to be in the goal And last night she was on social media with a giant-sized boarding pass that she was heading to Tokyo. She's on cloud nine and she's broken her silence and she speaks with me after 11 o'clock. I don't want you to miss it. Caroline Wilson was very strong on footy classified last night on Seb Ross and Tim Membry for leaving the Saints camp and heading home to be with their partners. One who has just had twins or five or six weeks ago, and the other who is expecting. Caro said that was a bad move. He wasn't prepared to go to hang around in Sydney and go to Cairns for another week. This despite the fact several senior leaders at the football club asked him to stay. And I must stress there is no medical problem with the twins. I know it's tough when you're home alone with twins, but there were other family people who maybe could have who could have been with her. Membry's wife was due to give birth. They said to... they, they said they left with full support. Well I, I would question that. I think there would be and I think supporters and sponsors and members and other teammates would have every right to be a bit disappointed. 
That was Caroline Wilson last night. This morning with Gary and Tim, Gary Lyon responded to those comments by Caroline Wilson. So Caro is suggesting she knows better than the Ross family. I know this is close to your heart. I would suggest that that would be a conversation she wouldn't want to have with Seb Ross's wife and or mother or family members, that she has, in her opinion, said there's no medical problem. So she now can make a judgment on the family situation of a, a young mother with twins from afar and then turn around and say, why didn't they bow to peer pressure these blokes and stay? I th- I, I'm, I, I'm almost speechless with this one, Tim. I am almost speechless. I am. Gary and Tim this morning in regards to those comments by Caroline Wilson. Justin Lepich joined in the party, the former Brisbane Lions champion and Brisbane coach and part of the SEN football family. He also had this to say about Caroline Wilson's comments, describing them as archaic. Yeah, I, I probably thought we'll pass this um, just just as a community, really, let alone a, a football community. I mean, with what we've been able to do in the last 20, 30 years, and we've seen it, um, uh, is just show a bit more of an empathy and an understanding for people in their situations. And, and empathy really is just the ability to understand where someone is and to be able to share that. So it's not sympathy. It's not feeling sorry for them. It's, okay, who am I? I'm Tim Membry. I'm a 26-year-old man. <laughs> They've got these issues back home that I need to deal with. What we are much better at in society is not saying what I think is Justin Lepage given I'm a 45-year-old man with kids that are a bit older, that I've been through that. My thoughts might be different, but you have to put yourself in the shoes of that person and that player. <laughs> you have to. And I just thought it was really insensitive. And, and I'm, I, was, I was actually just really disappointed because I just thought as, as a community we're past all that and that sort of conversation. And um, But, I mean, Daniel Bradshaw missed the final in 2000 to have a child for, for Brisbane, and that was 20 years ago. And, and, and it actually, he didn't even cop it 20 years ago. So, so, I mean, this is a really archaic thing to be talking about, in my opinion. So a lot of pushback on Caroline Wilson. I'm sure that will be played out. Let us know your thoughts, 13 12 55 or 0487 736 736. Still trying to find out who the Who Am I is this morning. Played for three clubs. Played for three clubs. Played with an inaugural club. And I played Fremantle four times and lost all four. Who am I? After the 10.30 news, Chris Clafuna's Special K will join us because I woke up in the middle of the night and I heard him talking about it, but I didn't see it and I didn't hear it. I'm talking about one of the best goals of all time in Euro 2020. That is on the way. This is a wet and wild Tuesday edition. The Sporting Goss News is next. And SEN is the official radio broadcaster of the Tokyo Olympic Games. 38 days to go. Yeah, looking forward to going over to Tokyo. Representing the SENWA team. I'll be there. Coalface. Really? Uh, well, don't ask. You know, it was go. my invite. Ah, no, you've got too much to do looking after Gilly. I'm he, very busy. He, <laughs> Good he, he won't be going. He can't get over there. He does four days, four hours a week, <laughs> two days a week. He'll be back on the radio. Hey, um, we threw down the big freeze challenge. Has he come up Trumps? We don't know, has he? Well, I'm not sure yet. He had to get someone who went down the big freeze. Yeah. I know who I want. Yeah. I want Gil McLaughlin. I think I'd want Gill as well. Yeah. So I think anything less than that, no disrespect, would be disappointing. I'd be just very disappointed yeah. considering the other names he's been able to wrangle on the Friday yeah. Focus. Chris Clafunis is here because we're talking round ball football. I woke up in the middle of the night, had a steaming headache last night. I know you're not well as well, and mm. we're, we're batting through mm. against the odds, not getting much. Heroes, courageous. Yeah. 
We had an excuse for being poor yesterday. I don't know what Alex's excuse was, <laughs> but anyway. Um, but what we... <laughs> uh, grab the porn, get the thing, get the popcorn. Um, you're here because I woke up in the middle of the night yeah. and heard some bloke had kicked the goal of the century. Yeah, crazy goal. Yeah. Uh, definitely one of the best goals that the Euros have seen. Yep. Um, I think the stat said it was close to the furthest goal, as in the longest distance. Yep. So this was Scotland, Czech Republic. It sounded a bit like this. I think we've got the audio there. Hendrik. Oh, try his luck again, but now it's Schick from range. Oh, it is a thrilling goal. It is one of the great Euro goals. So Scotland had the ball. They were attacking, took a shot on. It got deflected on the counter-attack. It gets passed out to Patrick Schick, who looks up, sees the goalie way off his line, way off his line, takes the shot on with his left boot and just curls it from about halfway. You look at the different angles. If you, There's one angle from behind the goal that just shows the curve of this ball that looks like it's pretty much going into the stands and then somehow just whew, curls back into the back of the what net. What was that noise again? <laughs> Goalkeeper, all tangled up in the net, some outstanding photos. Yeah, incredible, <laughs> incredible scenes. You know who's excited? And Schick. Yeah. yeah. Patrick Schick. <laughs> well, that's, um, he's razor sharp. <laughs> Friday funnies can wait until Friday, yeah. please. See Sarah Stone, who's out there, beautiful Sarah. Mm-hmm. She plays for Mandra. She's very, very good, I've heard. Absolutely very good. They beat Gwellup the weekend 2-1. Well, Croatia. Yeah, very fiery affair, I'm told. Not from Sarah. I said to Sarah, I was like, she goes, no, good game, no dramas. I spoke to someone else who was actually at the game Yeah, and said there was yellow. Oh, there was more yellow there than in a submarine. It was seriously <laughs> Doesn't surprise next me. level. Fiery, fiery uh, girl is Sarah. They, uh, yeah, Sarah's a, definitely a fiery girl. Don't give much at work, but she's very fiery. Yeah. When you, she suffers from white line fever. Yeah, elbows everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> she went and got coffee this morning. Yeah, thank you, Sarah. Thank you, Sarah. Um, and, and then you have to sit next to Jane, so you need to be very sort of focused in the <laughs> SEN room. So what was the score? Uh, it was 2-0 to uh, the Czech Republic. All right. Scotland went down. Who else played last night, mate? Spain and Sweden, a nil all draw. Nil all draw in that one. What? Was it you predicting Spain or Gilly was predicting No, nah, so I'm Spain because my brother lives in Spain. Oh, okay. My brother lives in Barca. Oh, beautiful. Yeah. Beautiful. But it's all, all eyes on France, Germany tonight at uh, 3 a.m. Is that... T- well, it's not tonight. So is it? tomorrow morning. <laughs> yeah. Why do we, why do newsrooms mm. and hello to the FM stations who listen to us and they do? Let me tell you. Yeah. Um, why do they go with overnight? What does overnight mean? Does that mean when you're asleep? Yeah, I guess so. Because overnight for me is not what I don't understand. What well, that you, you famously don't sleep. No, that's true. Didn't <laughs> sleep last night. I had a stinker last night. Horrible. How are you feeling today? You're pretty rough. <laughs> yeah. think, Not great. Do you ever think that it's because of your haircut? No, hair is good. The hair do you reckon is, your head's gone cold? Because you've because is it true mm-hmm. that your beautiful partner mm-hmm. is a, a dog groomer? Yeah, and she normally cuts your she hair. She was cutting my hair previously, <laughs> and doing a great job with the clippers. So what happened? I went to a hairdresser this time. How much that cost you? Thirty-five bones. What? Yeah. Did you get any change? <laughs> it's pretty expensive, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, they haven't finished it. Usually go for a 20 bike haircut. Yeah, get the Thought truck. I'd lash out this time. <laughs> and I got the new job at SEN. <laughs> Make it rain, baby. <laughs> Make 
Take it rain money, baby. Show me the money. We'll take a break. We'll come back. Aaron Delaport is next with useless AFL stats. Now on Sporting Goss, it's time for Useless AFL Stats. Ah, there is the introduction to a very popular part of the Sporting Goss each and every Tuesday, Useless AFL Stats, and you can follow them on Facebook. Aaron Delaport joins us. And Della, as we welcome you, we're coming off a very bad week for footy tipping. I don't know many people who did very well. No, I didn't do too good myself. I only got two and one of those doesn't really count. It was a draw. (laughs) Anyway, round 13, 2021 proved to be one of the toughest ever for footy tipping with teams sitting 15th, 16th, 17th and 18th. On the ladder in Adelaide, Collingwood, Hawthorne and North Melbourne all gaining premiership points. This is the only time this has happened since the introduction of the 18-team competition. The round was capped off Fittingly, with the resignation of Nathan Buckley as coach of Collingwood, joining just Essen and Sam Gravenel as coaches who defeated a top-of-the-ladder team in their last game as coach. So just two people have done that. Wow. So Sam Gravenel, Essen, I've never heard of Sam Gravenel. I wonder what year and year he yeah. was coaching. He only coached... 14 games. I think it was in the 20s. Uh, interestingly, him and Buckley both had the same number of wins as coaches and as players. Buckley had 117 wins as a coach and 117 as a player. Sam Gravenel, just the seven wins as a coach and the seven as a player. Well, there you go. You learn something every day. Another useless AFL stat. The Kangaroos, well, they conf- conquered the alphabet according to useless AFL stats. Yeah, so despite the draw against GWS, North Melbourne look not only to conquer the bottom of the ladder, but they've become the first team to conquer the bottom of the alphabet. So this was the first time in AFL history a team played with surname initials covering the last four letters of the alphabet. (laughs) They had, of course, Josh Walker, Tristan Cherry, which is spelt with an X, um, Lockie Young, Jack Zebel, and... Of course, Cameron Zerha, so they had two Zs, but they covered the X, or the W, X, Y, and Z um, in their round 13 team. Unfortunately, bad list management prevents them from extending the record to the bottom five, as Ed, <laughs> because Willis was delisted last year. And they have no other V players, but perhaps they can recruit uh, Nick Boloston or a Jack Viney or a Nathan Barty or even a a Vandermeer next year. Oh, nice work by you. So there it is, the alphabet conquered by North Melbourne. Tell us a bit about the Jack Crisp 150th ice bath celebration. Yeah, so, um, of course, uh, Neil Danaher's personal fight against MLD, uh, MND, sorry, was announced on August 17th, 2014. And since then, he has campaigned tirelessly, raising funds and awareness to defeat the beast. Great man, Neil Danaher. Big Free 7 coincided with the aptly named Jack Crisp's 150th game since this initial announcement. This is the most games for any player since uh, Danaher's diagnosis was announced. It is a big stat to get. There it is, Jack Crisp getting a piece of the action in the useless AFL stats. Max Gorn taking on Max Lynch in the ruck on uh, on Monday. Yeah, so the, the ruck duel between Gorn and Lynch saw the most hit-outs ever by two players named Max in an AFL game. Uh, surprisingly, Gorn had just the 20 to uh, Max Lynch's 23. 
for a total of 43. However, it is far from the max of two players with the same name. This occurred in round three, 2017, when Matthew Cruiser with Carlton and Matthew Lewenberg for Essendon did battle. Cruiser had uh, 30 hitouts and the big burger had 43 for a combined tally of 73. <laughs> and... Uh... Okay, let's go through this. I've got a, I've got a request for round 14. So we're going to talk about round 14 right here, right now. Of course, uh, there's no Eagles and Dockers, so we thought we might get the useless AFL stats team a bit of a challenge. I'm going to throw you a couple of names, and I want the listeners to do the same, and you might be able to. So if you get onto useless AFL stats, we want you to throw up a random Eagle and one Docker, and they'll come back with a stat for the listener. So uh, you can either go onto the Facebook or get onto us here, 0487736736, and we'll pass it on to Aaron and the team at Useless AFL Stats. I'm going to give you two names. I want to give you a modern-day Eagle. Let's go with um, Elliot Yo, and let's go, for, let's go for Stephen Dodd at the Dockers. I, I want to get something random about those two. Yep, I reckon the useless AFL stats team will be able to come up with something. We can pretty much come up with something about anyone, so I think those two shouldn't be a problem for us. All righty, so there it is there. So uh, work on that one. 0487 736 or better still, follow the useless AFL stats Facebook page. Tell them you heard Aaron on, of course, Sporting Goss. Throw up an eagle or a docker, and they will come back with you with a useless AFL stat. Always great listening. Great to have you on board, great man. Enjoy this wet Tuesday, and we'll do it again next week. Thanks, Tim. See you, man. There he is, Aaron Delaport. We just love him. He doesn't get out of first gear with his delivery, but that was what makes it all so special. This is Sporting Goss, useless AFL stats. You get them on Facebook, or if you have an eagle and docker you want a random stat about, get in touch with us, 0487 736 736. Welcome back to the Sporting Goss. Not a great day for golf, but it was a great weekend up at Geraldton for Hayden Barron, who's our next guest on the Sporting Goss. Congratulations on your win at Sporting Park, mate. Thanks very much, Tim. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, terrific. Um, obviously, uh, an amateur still deciding when to click over to the professional ranks, and I suppose it's another um, a tick of the box when you have a win against a, a sort of a, a mixed field of a, a, in a pro-am. Yeah, absolutely. No, it's... Um... It was good to get the win, um, especially after uh, a couple of seconds in the last 12 to 18 months. Um, so that no, was really nice to, to get there in, in a pro event. And yeah, uh, test my game against uh, the best that were in WA. You turned for home with a bit of a lead. Uh, how did you go in that final round? Uh, and are you a uh, scoreboard watcher? <laughs> well, firstly, on the scoreboard, I normally am, but um, I, was, I was strangely calm on, on Sunday and, and opted to not look at any. Um, I walked past a big one through nine <laughs> holes and um, had, a, had a quick squeeze and saw that I someone was a couple behind, but I thought, you know, if I shoot a couple under, I'll, I'll be safe this side. So um, that was my goal to shoot two under on the back. I had a short six-footer on the last uh, to, to get that two under on the back nine, but I was kind of trying to judge everyone's body language and it seemed like I had it in the bag, <laughs> so I just lagged it down and nice and close. I've always, I've always <laughs> wondered that. So you had a six-footer. You, to to achieve a personal mental goal and obviously a score goal as well, and you were just gauging the audience. Is that how you were going about this? Whether you won or lost? Yeah, I was, mate. I I uh, <laughs> I, I, <laughs> I, I wanted to know. I had a, I had a six footer downhill, and, and the greens at Thorny Park can get 
seriously quick um, down downhill and down grain. And I, I had had a couple of um, missed short parts earlier on in the week on the Saturday. And I just, you know, obviously didn't want to have a, a, knee, a knee knocker to potentially win. So I thought I'll roll it down there. If it goes in last roll, then then so be it. But I feel like two parts is going to be enough, judging by everyone's uh, reaction in the crowd. So. And you only got up by one shot. So if you don't make the six-footer, then the whole body language of everyone changes and you have to look around to see what goes next. Yeah, exactly right. No, it kind of sat right on the edge. It could have fallen in, but it didn't. But um, <laughs> no, it was... Uh, I could tell straight away as soon as it sat on the edge that I was, I was going to be all right. Nice work. So what did what did the girlfriend Julia do at this time? Where, was, was she walking the course with you? Was she a part of that crowd? <laughs> Yeah, she was. She was. Uh, she was standing up on uh, on the walkway, just on on the way off the green with one of my good friends, um, Connor Fuchs, just uh, watching on. But I think she she said afterwards she thought that I was in a playoff. She she's still trying to get her head around all the scoring and golf and whatnot. <laughs> so she was uh, she was hassling Connor to make sure that that I had one. But um, yeah, no. Nah. That's uh, a good story. Hayden Barron is our guest. He's an amateur. He's a WA amateur. Been on the scene for some time. And thinking about turning pro, I mean, what holds you back, mate? What holds you back? I know when you become a pro, you've all of a sudden, unless you get great sponsorship and great financial support, you know, it is tough. You play for check for check, especially in the early days of being a professional. So what, what's holding you back making that turn? Yeah, definitely uh, financially a little bit. Um, fortunately enough, I'm a part of the high performance program with, with Golf WA and, um, they support us through uh, with a lot of our expenses um, throughout the year, so that support's nice. Um, obviously, turning pro would give that up, but also, um, you know, ideally, I want to have uh, some status on a, on a tour before I do decide to make the the jump. Um, I did plan to go to European Tour School this year, which has been cancelled mm-hmm. now, unfortunately, um, and that's kind of where I've always aimed to to start. I went to European Tour School a couple of years ago, but was unsuccessful, so. I decided to just um, hold on, play the amateur events, and and just try and um, you know perfect my craft before uh, before making the jump because I want to make sure right, once I do I am ready to to get out there and um, make the most of the opportunity. So uh, our guest is Hayden Barron. He won at Sporting Park in Geraldton, of course. The the, uh, the pro am event, of course, up there. What was the course like? Obviously, you had you liked it. <laughs> yeah, no, it's gorgeous, mate. They uh they've got they don't have many many staff up there. I think they were saying they only have one paid green staff and the rest are volunteers. So it's a really country style course. Um the greens are spectacular. They're they're a, a saltine grass. They're a little bit different to, to what we play back home. Um a little bit hardier through the through the Geraldton um weather. But mm-hmm. no, the course is spectacular. The par fives are relatively gettable, so um that's kind of where I I targeted my birdies and then um, a few short par fours. You can get a couple of wedges in close and make a couple of birdies that way as well. The next Adidas Pro-Am Series event is up at uh, the Caratha Pro-Am, which starts uh, in a couple of days, Tom. You've decided against going up there. Are the one-day events uh, or whatever they are, are those short tournaments, are they a bit of a killer for you where you sort of go, well, if I go up there, it's a long way to go for one day. If I don't play well, then it hits you in the hip pocket? Yeah, I think so. If if I was pro, I'd definitely be going. But I think, um, you know, seeing as I'm an amateur, I'm not really going to be making any money up there anyway. Um, I'm probably spending it a, a lot more than it's than it's worth to get sure, the way up there. Sure. Um, there's a few sand grain courses as well, which I've never played before, so I'm not sure if I'd fancy my putting on the uh, or even my pro shots in on the sand grain. I don't really know mm. what the goal is. So yeah, I decided to um, have a couple of days off in Calbarry instead. Um, yeah, we've had three three pro-ams in the last kind of month so it's been a good stretch but yeah now it's uh that's a drawing board 
So what is the, what is the plan? When I mean, obviously, with uh, with what's going on in Victoria, we've still got obviously the COVID issue. So you, that's a bit of a balancing act for any golfer, I'm sure, in Australia. And as much as the circuit, so to speak, is in WA at the moment, that's a good thing for you. But when do you get your head around what's next in regards to your development in regards to your calendar of events? Yeah, oh, that's a tough question. I was, um, as I said earlier, I was planning on going to, to European Tour School, which I only found out last week or the start of, yeah, the start of last week that that's been cancelled. Um, that's that's pretty new news. So that was always the plan. They were going to have a first stage um, over, I believe, in Melbourne, but I heard rumours about potentially Adelaide, um, which would have been the first time it's been out of Europe ever. Um and then we could have had a second and third stage over in Spain if we got through. So that was kind of what I was aiming towards. Um, and then potentially, if I got status there, I was going to have a crack at the Australian Tour School um, as kind of like a secondary um, tour to play on, which would be the start of next year. Yeah. Um, so I don't know now whether my focus shifts to uh, directly onto that or whether or not I look at something else, maybe through Japan or through mm-hmm. Asia. But um, I don't know. I'm still a little bit sceptical about travelling there. and. Mm. I'm not really sure if that's exactly what I want to do. So I'll um, I'll reassess with my coach, Craig Bishop, when I get back home and um, see see what he thinks I should do. Yeah, very much so. It is a certainly uh, you're treading water as a as a, a golfer, like a, I suppose most of golfers, uh, in particular in Australia, are in a faraway place, and we might be safe, but we're sort of not in the. If you're over in Europe, I've noticed there's plenty of golf being played over there. There was the mixed tournament over there in Sweden at the weekend as well. Who's your golfing idol, mate? Who is the one that you like to uh, look at, follow in the current day tour of, of world golf? Oh, I don't really have one, Tim, to is be honest. Right? Probably, um, you, no, I don't. Are you I not a golfing like nothing? Are you not a golfing nothing like me? See, I, I'm a European golfer. I'm not, no. Really? <laughs> I'm not. I was. I definitely was. It's worn off a little bit. I don't watch a whole lot of golf, but um, I'd say... Early early days, uh, Henrik Stenson was probably yes. was probably who I looked up to the most. Yes. Um, I just like his his cool, calm attitude, and uh, I do like to laugh at his his spits every now and then when he snaps his clubs and whatnot. <laughs> um, but no, nah, he's he's pretty cool. But no, nah, big fan of of Jason Scribner and what he's doing, and um, you know he's a good friend of mine as well. So I'm fortunate enough to play with him a fair bit when he's home, and 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 he's always um, up to giving me some tips and, and helping me out. Uh, with my game as well. Yeah, well, it's funny you mentioned those two because Stenson was the host of the event the other day and Scrivener was tied for the lead, turning for home and had a terrible run in, had a, had a terrible had a terrible time of it and ended up finishing back in the pack. But he's a very good golfer and he's enjoying some uh, great re- uh, results for the best part and he uh, could very well be uh, in the big race, uh, the big race to uh, some of the big money later in the year. So you're not a golfing nuffy. That's interesting because I'm not an American golf fan. I can't stand American golf. I can't stand scores of 62, 63, 64. It looks like it's Mickey Mouse stuff, but European where they're different courses all the time, different conditions. Um, I'm a much bigger fan of the, of the European tour. And it sounds like you are too when you were, when you were up, when you're up into it. Yeah, absolutely. You know, European tour is definitely um, the better one to watch and the better one to support in my opinion. But yeah, no, I mean, I, I don't dislike it. I just, um, yeah. You know, there's no early morning wake-ups to watch the golf anymore <laughs> like, like there used to be, unfortunately. <laughs> Good on you, mate. All right, enjoy your couple of days with the better half, mate. Uh, congratulations on the win up there at Sporting Park at the Weed End, Hayden Barron, and we look forward to following your journey and hopefully things uh, work out for you in the not-too-distant future and you can have a plan and golf can get back to some normality in this crazy world we're living in.
Yeah, thanks very much, Tim. Appreciate you having me on, and yeah, thanks for the kind words. Yeah, mate. good on you, mate. He's a good fella. Hayden Barron, he's a, an amateur, but you've got a feeling there might be some big time as a pro whenever that comes, but it sounds like he's a patient young man, which is a, a good sign for anyone in that industry. We'll take a break. We'll come back. On this wet old Tuesday, this is the Sporting Goss. Welcome back to the Sporting Goss on this Tuesday, a wet and wintry day. We've had plenty to talk about on the show, but there was no busier social media last night than the social media of our next guest, Rachel Lynch, an outstanding human being who has done enormous things for the Are You OK space, but more importantly for her right now, she's back in the Australian Hockey Roos setup and has been selected to go to Tokyo to the games. I predict you're a one happy lady this morning. Good morning and congratulations. Hello, Goss. Thank you. Yes, I'm um, still on a bit of a high about the whole thing. It has been tough. It has been a really tough time for you. Um, and the the reasons are obvious. Uh, you were caught up in what was a, uh, a realignment, a recalibration of the, of the team, its coaching staff, its back of house staff, its inquiries. You were in the thick of it. You're out of the team and you're back in. Where were you coming from? Where were you coming from when you were had to start all over again, so to speak, in regards to where you were placed in this whole uh, well drama for the better for the better part? Yeah, um, it's it's been a really difficult time, as you said. It's um, a, well, a roller coaster for, for everyone, really. Our program was put in the spotlight. You know, hockey doesn't get a lot of media attention normally, and this time it was for the wrong reasons. But uh, essentially, it did shed some light on a few things that maybe needed a change, a bit of a shake-up. Um, so for me, yeah, it was um, really difficult. I was tracking along nicely, preparing for the Olympics and, um, yeah, and then got the news that I was not in the squad. So um, during that time, it meant that I had to do a lot of training by myself. I was still very committed to getting back in and um, going to the Olympics and just kept that in the back of my mind every day when I got up and went for my bike ride or did my session. Um, but yeah, I mean, all the hard work paid off. So I'm, I'm feeling pretty grateful. Yeah. Well, I'm watching, I'm looking at a photo as we speak now of you holding up an oversized boarding pass in front of the Australian <laughs> Olympic uh, team. You look so proud and the smile is genuine and you're a smiler at the best of times, but I, I imagine there were some very dark times. Yeah, there were, there really was. And I've, I've never been through anything like that before. You know, as an athlete, you, you have your, your form and your ability questioned along the way and we're used to receiving critical feedback. But um, this time it was a little bit more personal and about my character and, and that really hurt me. Um, but it also fueled me to make sure I really stuck to my guns and, and sort of showed and proved that, you know, I'm, I'm a good person and mm. I do the right thing and I'm selfless and want to do the best for the team. Um, so I think having been through what I have, it just made me so much more determined to... Um, not not prove a point, but yeah, I guess um, use it as a weapon that like, you know, try and stop me now. I guess that was kind of my attitude. And now that I'm here, I, I am. I'm really proud of myself for, for the way that I did it. Rightfully so. I want to read the words, a few words on your post from last night on Instagram. Through some very dark times, I stuck to my true values of being honest, being kind, working bloody hard and acting with integrity. I love this team and know we will make Australia proud. Do you think the Are You OK space that you've worked so uh, strongly in and uh, you've done so much uh, in that area over the last uh, few years, it's been a big part of it, do you think that helped you? 100%. It, it helped me, but it also made me realise um, 
my my own networks and the people around me mm. how much they've taken it on too because I, I could tell in the, the language that people use when they were checking on me um, I tried very hard to to practice what I preach and, and a lot of times when people ask me I said no I'm not I had to be very open with my family um, you know at, at the probably darkest point I said to my mum I was like I think I need you to come over she lives in Melbourne um, and yeah there were some really tough days and even are you okay themselves? They reached out to me regularly. I had people that not just you know one off. It was like right the way through. Even some of my teammates, it was like a daily message of you know checking in, and and I was so grateful for that. But even for me, it was about being honest with with myself and being honest with the people around me that I'm not okay. Um, and I and I had support and I reached out to people, but I also just had to sit with that fact that I wasn't doing well and. Um, you know, I, I'm so grateful for the people that helped me through that because it, it makes such a difference. One thing you have always been, and as you've said in that post there, after being selected in the Australian uh, team to go to the Games, we were chatting with Rachel Lynch, who's just a quality young lady and I've uh, had a bit to do with over the journey uh, as, as on a professional sense. But can I just say this to you or ask you, when you say you get down and, and the times are dark and you're calling your mum or that uh, network around you, what are we talking about? How dark? Um, it's, it's funny. I've, I've been with Are You Okay? And I've been involved in mental health for probably eight or nine years. And often when I speak about it, I'm very much about the preventative and the wellbeing and, um, all of that. And I've, I've never had a story about myself Mm. uh, or someone close to me. Whereas during this time I reflected, it's like, yeah, I, I did have my own mental health, um, issues going on. You know, I've, I felt anxious. I, I didn't want to be in groups. You know, the, the first day I went down to the hockey stadium, I felt sick. And, you know, there's even people involved that it's just like the, the trauma of what, was, what I was going through and what was happening was so strong that it just, yeah, it just made me feel really anxious. And the fact that it was so unknown because it was such a waiting, a long wait, you know, we thought it would be done in two weeks and it took over 150 days. Um, and, yeah, it's just something that I've never experienced before. And, you know, I already saw a psychologist just from a preventative point of view and she played a really key role during this time, you know, helping me through that. But, um, yeah, I, I guess it, it was my first experience with, you know, mental health personally. Where were you when you get the phone call or the the straight face-to-face or the letter or, I mean, how were you told you were back in the Hockey Roos team to go to Tokyo? Um, can you tell us that what that moment was like? Yeah, there was a few milestones along the way because initially it was, um, the appeal itself. So winning the appeal, that was a really, really key um, moment. Um, you know, we worked really hard and had a legal team. You know, Lab and Legal were amazing and they um, did it for us to help us because they were just, you know, really kind people and hours and hours and hours fighting for us. So that was a key moment. Then it was back in the squad. Um, that particular moment when I got that email, um, <laughs> I cried for an hour because my mate Georgie, didn't get back in and that was devastating because we were sort of going through this together and she didn't you know she didn't deserve that so and the final one was the Olympic team I chose to go away just to be by myself so a couple hours north and just sitting at the beach and got the email and I prepped myself to not be on the list and then when it was on there I just yeah jumped up and down and made a few phone calls to some very happy family members. You say you prepared yourself not to be on the list was that just so the fall wouldn't be so great if you weren't or did you genuinely think you wouldn't be there? Uh, I guess I'd lost a bit of hope. I, 
having been through what I had, naturally I was a little bit um, pessimistic because I felt like when it did happen, I was doing everything right. You know, I was in good form. I'd, I'd won, you know, the international goalie of the year. Um, I felt like I was a real team player, very professional, all of those things. And that's when I got dropped. So this time around, it was, um, you know, doing my attitude has always been, I need to get myself to a point where they have to pick me because if, you know, every coach wants to win. Um, and we went away to New Zealand, had the opportunity there where we were sharing between four keepers. Um, we would set the task of literally your job is to not let the ball in the net. And um, I managed to, you know, play well and keep the least amount of goals, um, let the least amount of goals in. So I knew I'd done everything right, but I still had that fear of what if it happens again. So um, the fact I'd prepped myself as much as that's not normally how I'd approach it, it just meant that the seeing my name on the list was um, even more exciting. You have to focus now on the next stage, and that is Tokyo and the games and preparing for those games as a professional that you are. You've mentioned Georgie Morgan, who didn't make it, didn't get through. Um, has Have you reached out to her, and will you continue to do so? And can would you share with us how she's feeling right now? Yeah, Georgie's a really good friend of mine, and um, I guess it, it brought us closer together going through the experience, unfortunately. Um, but, you know, I, I just have so much respect for her as an athlete and person. She worked very hard. She's been a bit unlucky with some um, injuries and different things along the way. Um, but it, it was a, a time where no one else could really understand what it was like and we were able to lean on each other during that. Mm. Um, and that's why I was just so bitterly disappointed that she didn't get back in. But the one positive is, um, I tell you what, probably a bit like me, she's going to come back stronger than ever and mentally and physically. And I think she's got a long career ahead because I, I still believe she's one of the best defenders in the world. So long after I retire, I'm sure I'll be able to enjoy watching her um, dominating for the hockey round again. I don't want to harp on the past because we need to talk about the future. Just in regards to the inquiry, the appeal and what took place, is there any anger in you and anger towards those or have you moved on? I've, I've had to yeah, really try and um, focus on the now, not, not even so much the future because it's really hard. Like If you get caught up in, in those thoughts, it's really hard to focus on your, your job and for me right now it's it's helping our group get to the Olympics and win a gold medal. So, um, you know, I think there will be times where I'll be able to reflect back on, on what's happened. And, you know, I keep a, a journal and write things down because that's my way of getting any thoughts out of my head and then moving on from them. So um, at the end of the day, my focus is on the girls and the players and uh, what we can achieve because once you're out on the pitch, it, it doesn't matter what what anyone else is doing in the organisation or all the other stuff going on. So, um yeah, that's, that's what keeps me on track. I'm doing this for the girls. Ah, very good. And how is the prep going? Obviously, uh, not far away now. You've got the big ticket. You've got the, you're going to put that in a frame. Do you put that in, <laughs> are you, uh, you put that in a frame or does it, go in, does it go in the page in the book? I mean, what do you do with that beautiful boarding pass? <laughs> it goes straight to Melbourne. Mum, mum has a pretty good collection of these sorts of things. <laughs> that's cool. <laughs> my, my small apartment's not big enough for um, oversized, oversized boarding passes, but it's currently <laughs> on my fridge. Um, so that I can look at it. It's a daily reminder. Probably stops me from eating something rubbish out of the fridge. But uh, <laughs> the prep's going well. We had a very wet and horrible morning training this morning, but it's great. Everyone's really focused. We had a couple of sessions just with the 16, uh, but the squad will rejoin us as of tomorrow. And we know the importance of, of the girls that weren't selected and 
anything can happen, so they've still got an opportunity. So looking forward to being reunited with them because they're an important part of our group too. You took a long time to come to the phone to do this interview, and I sort of know <laughs> I sort of know the reasons why. And I thought I'd done something wrong, and I thought, "How? Oh, well, I've only ever been a supporter. I'm just trying to think through it." But I understand why. Uh, you needed to have everything ticked off in your own mind and in your in your setup, and it wasn't going to be all about you. It is all about you, the team, and the journey that you've been on. It is a it's a remarkable story of resilience and fighting for what was deservedly yours, uh, Rachel Lynch, and I'm incredibly proud of you, and we'll be cheering you on. You are very much a part of that Hockey Roos team, and you always were, even when you were on the outer. So from me personally, congratulations, and from everyone who knows you, has worked with you, has been in your friendship group, um, we're riding this one through all the way to Tokyo and while you're there, and we, we hope you, whatever happens, you just have the time of your life. Thanks, Gosh. It means a lot and, yeah, appreciate the support, but you're more than welcome to ring me for a chat any day of the week. <laughs> there she is. Absolute delight. Rachel Lynch, even from Victorian, she's a really nice girl. We'll take a break. We'll come back. This is Sporting Goss. Perth Wildcats are into a grand final series. We've already spoken to Kevin White. He says they're up and about, and it doesn't matter who they play. We'll see how that unfolds tonight because... It is a game between Melbourne United and South East Melbourne Phoenix, the winner through to the grand final. The first two games, Friday and Sunday, will be played at RAC Arena because of COVID and the situation. Corey Homicide-Williams joins us. And as we've always thought, no, no Bryce Cotton, no Perth Wildcats. But guess what, Homicide? They're into the grand final, baby! (laughs) I don't know how you guys get it done every year. You know what? I do not know how you guys get it done. But you know what? That's what the Wildcats do. Mm. They find ways to get it done. Nothing is better than championship winning culture. And that's what the Wildcats DNA is. Well, congratulations. You got to the grand final without the great one. I know know. there he was on the sidelines, uh, lathered in gold, clapping, high clapping. And uh, he, uh, he had to watch others get the job done. Norton coming off the sick bench with a, with a bad hip, uh, John Mooney having his moments. Luke Travers didn't have his best of games, but when it mattered most down the stretch, the 19-year-old, he just played with so much freedom. He's an excitement machine, is he not? He sure is. He averaged about 11 and 6 in the series. Um, he's the future of basketball for the Perth Wildcats. You got to remember, he's 19 years old, yeah. you know, so for Trevor Gleason to believe in you and then for you to step up at the right moments speaks volumes of your character. So... Shout out to him, man. You know, well-deserved. And, you know, this is going to be a great stepping stone for his future, knowing that without the MVP of the league, he played a vital role in helping his team and organization get to yet another grand final. We talked about, well, I talked about early in the season, I worry about no plan B. And the plan B, and I think you and I have had the discussion as well, when Cotton's not playing well or Mooney's not in the game, where do they turn? Well, they found Blanchfield, Norton steps up, we talk about you talked about then Travers Kevin White plays ten minutes, but they're a valuable ten minutes. Uh, there is a lot to like about it's very tradesman like, isn't it? There's not a lot of brilliance about what they do, but it's very tradesman like. It's exactly that. There's not a lot of flashiness. There's not a lot of brilliance, but it's a lot of exactly tradesman like guys that just put on the the hard work um, hats, the the construction worker hat, and go to work with their lunch pail and get the job done. Um, they do it by committee. They rely on each other. You know, shout out to Mitch Norton. Mm-hmm. Mitch Norton, 
you know, what he was able to do, for me, he for sure gets the nod, and I hope he gets defensive player of the year because it's well-deserved what he did in the series. You know, a lot of it was um, with the team being able to do it, but majority of it was him individually guarding Tyler Harvey and making life hell for him. And that was the series to me. I believe that last night he had 15 points, four rebounds, two assists, but no one knew if he was going to play. He played injured. Mm. And more important, that was more impressive. He still found ways to get it done defensively because that's who he is. But offensively, they had Justin Simon on, on him, and he was still able to get off. So for that, for them to put arguably the defensive player of the year on the potential defensive player of the year, and he gets it done injured in the manner that he was able to do do it. Um, my nod goes to him, man. I, um, great job, great effort, great work. John Mooney averaged about 16 and 12 in the series. Those are pretty much Mooney numbers. And Todd Blanchfield stepped up and averaged about 20 points per game in the series. So um, well-deserved, well-deserved. You deserve to be where you're at right now, the Perk Wildcats. Fun fact for you, three games in the finals, Thursday, Saturday, and, of course, last night, scores 72-74, 71-79, 79-71. There's a lot of synergy there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. But um, here's what I will say, because don't think it's going to be all good now. It wouldn't be right. <laughs> Who wins tonight? You face the, you face the team. Whoever wins tonight winning the championship. Don't worry about that. Oh, give me a break, mate. You were going <laughs> so well. Tonight, whoever wins tonight wins the championship. You, mate, you're with, in love with Kiefer listen, Sykes. He wouldn't, mate, with, he wouldn't knock the skin off Bryce, couldn't, Bryce Cotton's porridge. Okay, let's look at the numbers. You may not have it in front of you, but the numbers with the Phoenix against the Wildcats, mm. it's 500, mm. okay? Yep. This team beat you with – with Cotton both times. Yeah. What do you think they're going to do without, without Cotton? They're a harder team to match up on when they're not going through the same set of hands, mate. You know that. 100, 100%. I'm trying to tell you what's going to happen. And Melbourne United, you already know what they did to you the last two weeks ago, about mm. two weeks ago. Mm. You know, so you guys beat a team, with all due respect, you guys beat a team with, that were young and inexperienced. They've never been there before. Right? You shut down their one player. They had nobody else to go to. So what you did, you were supposed to do. I'm not that impressed with that with that win. I'll give it to you, but I'm not that impressed. <laughs> beat Melbourne United or beat the Phoenix then. Right. And I don't know if you saw Twitter. I said if you guys won a championship, yeah. I'm getting a tattoo of the Wildcats. Yeah. I'll I don't know there. if you saw that. I'll be there. Okay. Yeah. And I'll do it at the best tattoo parlor in Perth. Yeah. I'll go to Perth yep. and do it. Yep. Right. That's how much confidence I have when you guys not winning. And there'll be a queue of Wildcats fans who will do it without any painkillers and they'll use their own they'll use their own needles and ink. <laughs> <laughs> and they'll do it on the base of your feet. So you walk around and uh, exactly where it hurts the most. So so okay, so then put it on the put it on the line, great man. Who wins tonight? Genuinely who wins the game tonight? And as you're saying, whoever wins tonight wins the title and I get that and I understand your your um your thought processes, but who does win tonight? My heart's with the Phoenix, but I believe Melbourne United get it done. Flip a coin, but I believe Melbourne United find a way to get it done. Yep. Okay. Appreciate it. Looking forward to it. Are you working tonight? I sure am. All righty. Well, uh, mate, for, on, behalf of, on behalf of the SEN business, 
We want Melbourne United to win. That's one thing with Hutchie <laughs> and all the boys. We're looking forward to seeing them win. But uh, for the sake of the series, we think the Wildcats' best chances of winning the title is if the Phoenix get up tonight. But we'll wait and see. Look forward to it. Love our chat. Thanks for joining us. Have a good one, man. Here he is. Corey Homicide Williams. You've got to love him. Here he is heaping praise on the Wildcats and how good they were going. And then he just smashes them into another postcode by saying they can't win the final anyway. I love him. You've got to love the bloke, don't you? This is the Sporting Goss. Just ahead of the news. Hey, Gosh. You know that. I know, but you know that sometimes when you text me, it comes up as God. Yeah. Yeah, really? Hallelujah. Is there a chance Bryce Cotton will play any part of the NBL Grand Final? What's your read on the situation? No, he won't play, but I think, um, well, look, no, I take that back. If it gets to a game five, you just never know. It gets to a game five, you just never know. Who am I this morning? Jonathan Giles said David from Harvey. Hello, David. I'm sure you're listening on SEN Spirit 621. Um, it's not Jonathan Giles. Yes, he played for three. Yes, he played for an inaugural club in GWS, but he has been beaten in a game by the Dockers. So who are we after? Someone who's played for three AFL clubs, has played with an inaugural club, of course, uh, the club in their first year, and has played in four games against Fremantle and won all four. Who am I? Zero four eight seven seven three six seven three six. News is just around the corner. Tyson Beattie, Star Spangled Banter, not too far away. And anything you want to say, join in the fun, 13, 12, 55. Who am I? Three AFL clubs. I played with a fledgling AFL club when they first launched and I played in four games against the Dockers and won all four. That's a trick question. That's a trick hint. Who am I? 0487 736 Three, six. I'm the king. Oh, I'm the king. Yeah, no, that's not your best work. That is not I'm your the best king. work. No, that's people are working out what that means. Okay, that's not exactly how it came across. It was, uh, it was better in the long version. Yeah, you guys teaming up on me, are you? I'm the king. Yeah, yeah, I am the king, but that's not. You're taking it out of context, and I think that's very, very unfair. 27 away from 12, Tyson Beatty, Star Spangled Banter, not too far away. Been a big show. The Who Am I has a lot of people guessing, but your guesses are so far off the mark. 0487 736 736. I played for three AFL clubs. I played with a club in its first season of launch, and I played in four games against Fremantle, and one all four. There's a lot of people who guess, and a lot of people are very smug. And there's no prize. Let's clarify it. There's no prize. <laughs> Is there any chance of getting a prize for this show? I've been on air for how many weeks? How many, how many weeks have we been on? We need a prize. How many weeks have we been on? Must be a dozen. Must be close to a dozen. Any chance? Warm beer. Warm beer to give away. What about the Rams, the AFL? Oh, have you seen this thing that's going on? So so AFL Rams, which is uh, Hayes and uh, the, you know, um, uh, what's his name? Um, 
AFL Rams Community Support Fund have got a an auction to raise money, a fundraising auction. It's online right now. And you go to Gala Bid, so app.galabid, one word, G-A-L-A-Bid.com. There's eight days and eight hours to go. And this is Hayes and Andrew Lockyer and Paddy Cripps and Josh Kennedy and Jamie Cripps and all, um, Harry Taylor. You go onto there and you can bid for a whole range of items and you can get a Aquamax stand-up paddle board currently, $600. You can get a week's accommodation for four at Hotham Valley Ski Fields, $500. You can get lunch with the Fremantle Football Club Heavy Hitters, $1,000. You can see Carl and Hayes do their show, uh, Sports Day, $500. You can come in to Gillian Goss with Matthew Pavlich. We'll give you breakfast and look after you. Currently the bid, $400. AFL Rams fundraiser, go to Gala Bid or go onto the AFL Rams Community Support Fund Facebook. Paddy Cripps, Josh Kennedy, Harry Taylor, Jamie Cripps, Andrew Lockyer, um, Hayes. AFL Rams fundraisers, Gala Bid. It's to raise money for the Cyclone Saroja Ravage community of Northampton and Kelbarry. You can get a Pampers and Shampers package for the ladies. Jody Beeson currently. A signed footy, 270 bucks. An Andrew Bogut Milwaukee singlet, 200 bucks. Signed cricket bat by Gilly. A commemorative Eagles Guernsey. Stephen Michael signed jumper. An 88 grand final pitcher. A Buckingham Dipper pitcher. A West Coast Eagles signed footy. A Shaquille O'Neal Lakers singlet. A 2021 Geelong signed jumper. A Bunker Bay Villa Margaret River. Three nights for four adults. Three nights at the Eco Beach Getaway with breakfast daily for two people, $1,000. AFL Finals package on the big screen, over $2,000. Darren Bennett charges Guernsey, just up 200 bucks. The Ben Cousins, King of the West, signed jumper, 700 bucks. And I just want to go back to Gillian Goss with me, Gilly, in the studio. You come in, we let you in. And Pav will be here as well. It's $400. Woohoo! But guess who has made the bid? Me. I'm the king. <laughs> 400 bucks. I just didn't want us to be left on the shelf. I can't be bidding and paying for it myself. Come on. Next bid is 50 bucks. So get on galabid.com. It's the AFL fundraiser. But forget about what it's for. Forget about what you're getting for. It is the money going towards much-needed funds to help the community of Northampton and Kelbarry from Cyclone Saroja. So AFL fundraiser, AFL Rams fundraiser, get onto the Gala Bid link and please bid up. So far, $400 for the Gillian Goss morning. We'll give you breakfast. We'll buy you coffee. We'll even let you sit on the radio and have something to say. And also Matthew Pavlich will be here as well. A breakaway coming back. Tyson Beatty has meandered. And I had a look at him walking in. Meandered is how I would describe his arrival. Meandered. Had your hands in your pockets and you just battled through and you've arrived. It's 22 away from 12. We're talking Star Spangled Banter next with the meandering Tyson Beatty. I'm the king.
Who loves Star Spangled Banner better than me? And that's this man, Tyson Beattie, joins us. Plenty going on. We're talking uh, things about happening oh, in the NBA yeah. as we speak. Before we get to the NBA, can I just, can I just throw one thing oh, at you? Sorry, don't you Goss. start. Don't oh, no. you start. You oh, meandered over here. I, I did not meander. I strode over because we're very excited. <laughs> we have, the we have got, we've got our biggest college football scholarship signing in many, many years. James Bunyip is a guy. You've probably never heard of him before. Signed with Alabama. We've always wanted to get a punter into Alabama, the first Australian punter to sign with the best college football team in the nation. Is that right? Yep. So where's Bunyip from? Bunyip's from Victoria, regional Victoria. Uh, six foot six, wow. about 110 kilos. Wow. Came through the TAC. That Louis. Yeah, no, no, big, big kid. We've got huge high hopes for him. NFL prospect for sure. Fantastic. That's great news. That is some breaking news right there. And then, not in my script, Star Spangled Banter. All righty, <laughs> let's take a look at the NBA. And there's a game currently going on. If you don't want to know the scores, and we do have a lot of people who get very a- agitated, Currently, as we see up on the screen, Utah going into this series with the Clippers leading 2-1. And what's that score? Just early doors, third quarter. Yeah, 19-point uh, deficit to the Utah Jazz. They're in big trouble there. And they've got injury concerns. Without Mike Conley, they've got some real yes. problems. So, I mean, Mitchell's there, and he's he's doing a great job. But the Jazz are in Is a that bit Latrell? of strife. That, no, Donovan Mitchell. Who's no. Latrell Mitchell? No, NRL, Rugby League. Oh, he's doing it. <laughs> oh, come on, Gosser. How can Sorry, I get... Beanie. Sorry. I just had my rugby league hat on. I was like, who's Latrell Mitchell? That rings a bell. Yeah, so Do- yeah, Donovan Mitchell. So the Utah Jazz do lead this series 2-1, but they look like they could be in a bit of trouble here mm. uh, if they don't get Mike Conley back and if they don't if they don't somehow find a way to deal with the LA Clippers' offense. They're, they are very, very strong right now. They're on track for a massive total in that game, already 71 points, only wow. minutes into that third term. So the Clippers do have a lot of offensive firepower, and they can easily come back and level that series today, and that'll make for an interesting um, few games beyond that to see who will make the Western Conference Finals. Remember, the Phoenix Suns are already in the Western Conference Finals. They swept 4 zip. Mm to go through over the Denver Nuggets into the Western Conference Finals. That's a, uh, that's a massive result for them. They're the first team through to, the, to the, uh, the Conference Finals. In the other divisions, Philadelphia and Atlanta, that was earlier today. Yeah, watch that. Yeah, so the Hawks have tied that series up. And I tell you what, that's going to be really interesting from here. Did you notice that Ben Simmons wasn't on the court for that last yeah, what's three going on seconds? There? Well, they needed a three to tie the game. Oh, of course. And he doesn't shoot from the perimeter much. So they left him on the bench. And uh, now that series is is really in the balance mm. there at 2-2. The other one is also tied 2-2, Milwaukee and, and Brooklyn. And that's really changed uh, in the last couple of days. So two two apiece in each of the Eastern Conference semifinals. In the Western Conference semifinals, the Phoenix Suns through to, to the Western Conference finals. And the Utah Clippers series looks like it'll be 2-2 at the end of this one. Nikola Jokic. Yeah, so he was named the MVP a few days ago, uh, Nikola Djokovic. For those that don't know, um, big centre, massive man from Serbia. I'll tell you what's been a big week in Serbian sport. You've got this guy winning the MVP, oh, a yeah. Serbian man, and of course, and of course, Novak Djokovic, French Open uh, winner. So uh, he's the MVP. No he, relation. Uh, no, Djokic. <laughs> Djokovic. I know. You really stitched me, don't you? Guys? Now, well, you it, meandered. I meandered. If you had come across with pace, I'd be more up and about. You <laughs> meandered over. It wasn't raining and you were just out there lapping up the fresh air. Go it's ahead. It's about 12 degrees out there. It's Go pretty fresh. Ahead. Now, he, uh, he actually got ejected yeah. in the fourth game of that series. So, wins the MVP, got ejected. Um, look, he's the sixth international player to win the MVP award. I think it's kind of an interesting stat. I don't think you'd have much of a hope at naming the others. Can you name one? You couldn't name one player? Tim Duncan. 
Yes. Tim Duncan. How did you know that? No, I'm just good. And he's from the I Virgin really Islands. It's his game. <laughs> You're getting help here. Here's the other. Steve Nash, Dirk Nowitzki, Giannis is the other one's most recent one. And then, of course, uh, Nikola Jokic. So it's an esteemed company yeah, to be in the, an international MVP. I'll tell you what, the injury toll is really playing a crucial factor in these finals series at the moment. Goss, the big three in Brooklyn... I mean, they, they've got all sorts of problems. You think the Brooklyn Nets together would be the strongest yeah. team to win the NBA Unbeatable. title. But right now, Kyrie Irving, he's not going to play in, in, in game five. Right, Australian. James, yeah. <laughs> he spent two years of his life here, but we'll claim him. <laughs> we'll claim anyway. We'll claim Russell Crowe. I mean, he's Australian. Adam Gilchrist. Yeah. West, right. Proud West, West Australian. <laughs> <laughs> uh, James Harden, the beard, also has been troubled. They've only got Kevin Durant. Barrich. Adrian Barrich. Adrian Canberra, isn't he? He's Canberra. He's Canberra. He's from Canberra. Don Pike? Yeah. Don, Canberra? Donnie Pike. West Australian, but born in Canberra? Yeah, yeah. Um, you can go on and on here. Uh, so I, I think that's... Brendan gonna... Julian? Brendan Julian. New Zealand? <laughs> you and I are Perth born and bred, though. That's, 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 that's good. Bunbury. You're Bunbury. Where were you? Uh, Fremantle. Yeah. yeah, nearly Bumbrick. Christian Brothers College. <laughs> <laughs> uh, here's an interesting one. Two women are in the I mix. I like this. Yeah, two women are in the mix for a head coaching position in the NBA. There's never been a full-time head coaching. There's been an interim head coach, one of those uh, ladies, Becky Hammond, who has been an assistant with the San Antonio Spurs since 2014. She made history as the first woman to act as a head coach when uh, Tony Popovich, Tony Popovich, <laughs> that's ex-glory coach. <laughs> You're it's killing catching. me here. It's catching. You're killing me here. Sorry. Anyway, she You is know it... why, don't you? What? You meandered. I meandered. Okay. Don't meander again. Okay. Then it'll I be better. I <laughs> now, Becky Hammond's in the running for both the Orlando and the Portland job, uh, and Dawn Staley as well, uh, as the first uh, women's coach of an NBA team. That would be a huge step huge. in women's sport, wouldn't we it? We don't have enough women coaches in our NBL. Not even an assistant. You tell me a team that has an NBL. There was one under Joey Wright at Adelaide. Yep. Briefly. Name another female anywhere on a bench in the men's NBL in Australia, and there is none. Mm. That's a bad look. Yeah. Because I have no doubt there are. In fact, to be honest, there's not too many in the AFL. No. In fact, no. I don't know there is one in the AFL. I anymore. felt like there was some progress there for a while where there were, where there were a yep. couple, um, but haven't, haven't seen another one. I want to see a, more. Yeah, we'll for a little more. while. I like that, though. So that, that, that's happening. Yep. Uh, tell us about, a bit about baseball and some new rules. Well, I thought you'd be interested in this because I always tie things back to you know, your little interests and that sort of thing, and Sandpaper Gate is where we're going with this area. So baseball have some new rules. They've introduced some new rules around pitchers being searched for foreign substances. So in baseball, when you've got a ball, you can do things to it like you can a cricket ball. Now, you can rub it with certain surfaces yes. and you can make it curve and move in the air and all that sort of stuff. Yes. Now, there's some things you are allowed to do like cricket you can shine the ball and there's some things you absolutely can't you can't bring a foreign substance to the mound right so yep. you can't bring something like sticky tape yep. or you know whatever it might be band-aid the here's the amazing thing the umpire now is allowed to strip search the pitches right so they can actually go well, they have pockets do they they don't have pockets in their pants well i mean where, where can they hide in stuff well cam bancroft didn't hide stuff in pockets <laughs> A little bit different. The pitchers standing on the mat, although there, there are other blokes around the field as well. You say that when the ball, and I don't know if you, I know you're an American sport aficionado. Why is it that when the baseball gets hit and gets snicked and foul balled, they throw a new ball in? They don't go back and grab that ball. Is it because it gets dirty? Are you talking about when it goes into the crowd? Well, no. When they sort of snick it and it goes into the netting and lands on the dirt, often it comes back and it comes back into the catcher and he throws it back to. The the home plate 
yep. umpire, and he gets another ball out and throws it and yeah. throws that one away. Yeah, it may it may have it may have been Damaged. scuffed up or that yeah, sort of thing. Well. Uh, it, it's not the same as cricket where you need to, the 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 timing of the ball being wear, worn down yeah. is a factor in the way the game Shape is played. Yeah, so a fresh ball is always used. I think the other thing is the tradition of the ball going to the crowd is a great one as well. You get to keep the ball, all that sort of stuff. Do you remember when we used to go to Parry Field when Perth Heat was at its finest? Absolutely. And Mike Young was coaching, mm. legend Mike Young. Ken McGee was playing yeah. and, and all those were Scotty Steed. And the ball would go into the crowd. It was a grass bank. Yeah. yeah. And it'd go into the crowd and it'd go, once it was a foul ball, mm. it'd go, Yep. smash a, bit, a sound effect, and they go, wah-gah, wah-gah! that ball's <laughs> yours to keep, C- courtesy of Kentucky Fried Chicken. That's the only time I ever got a hardball get was in the, on those oh, banks when I was a little kid. diving in on you'd, it. You'd dive in, you'd remember, come up with do some injuries. Remember when baseball was played there? Yeah, it was huge. Huge. It was huge. Loved it. Yeah, it'd be nice if the Heat's ground was a little bit closer to... Yeah. I know, it's a, it's a good facility. They're doing a redevelopment down there, but... It would be nice if it was just a little bit closer to everything, the, the precinct. Maybe right here in the Burswood precinct. Why not have it? You know, um, over in Karakata, there is the... Um, uh, Cemetery. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Train station. <laughs> On the other side... I know it's your hood. There's the Army, yeah, the Army, sur- Army Reserve. Yeah, and there's, the barracks. Yep. There's massive amounts of space there that we don't need. Yeah, yeah. Are you, getting, are you getting into urban infill? I reckon as a, as a guy from the western suburbs, you don't want to talk about urban infill, mate, I reckon. Mate, come and buy my place now. <laughs> Been rezoned, mate. Come and buy. Cash money, any time you like. Oh, that'd be big dollars where you are, too. Thank you very oh, much. Geez. Is that it for you? That's it. Uh, just quickly, uh, so the question is, yep. this is a good test. The question okay. today is, who am I? Is I played for three AFL clubs. Yep. Uh, I played with a, a, a an inaugural club, a fledgling club. Was there with it when it launched. Okay. And I've played in four games against the Fremantle Dockers and won all four. Now, that's a trick element. That's a oh, trick no. element, yeah. So we've had uh, Jonathan Giles, no. Uh, Tom Hickey from Anthony, no. The player that you're looking for from Calvin and Australian says Tom Hickey. Um, he says he's beaten Fremantle on four occasions, is Tom Hickey. I think he's also lost to Fremantle. This guy's played, play, played in four and won all four. So mm. an all-good club. Three clubs played in four games. So it has to be from the Giants or the Suns. He has to have played for those one of those two teams. They're the two expansion teams. So it can't be can't be going any further back than that. Why not? Why can't you go back further than that? Uh, Let's oh. go back further than that. Yeah. You ready, <laughs> ready, ready for the? It's a free it's a knocker. Okay. The spin on that is he played in four games against the Dockers and won all four. So people are ruling out a Docker. Right. Okay. Okay. You, you've you've tricked. You've tricked everyone. Correct. You've tricked everyone. Yeah. Uh, that's. I'm a tricker. When are you going to give the answer? Now. Okay. Kingsley Hunter. Oh no! The great Kingsley Hunter. Hunter. Yeah. Yep. An an Orgul Docker. Yep. Played for Hawthorne one game. Bulldogs. Played for the Bulldogs and yep. played in four wins. We'll take a break. Thanks for coming in. Thanks, mate. Star Spangled Banner. Tyson Beatty. Get a breakaway. Wrap things up. But this is Sporting Goss. Like Going to be on the radio. Seriously, mate, the new one. Going to be on your radio from 10 to 12 tomorrow. Of course, we love our Wednesdays. Uh, Hammer Brayshaw should be joining us, talking all things waffle. Of course, he's the captain of the West Coast waffle team. We'll be chatting with him. We were hoping to chat with Greg Clark from Subiaco. We'll hold that over till tomorrow. He's been an outstanding form for Subiaco. And that is a big game between Subiaco and West Coast. Also, we'll find a winner for the races tomorrow. And we'll take your calls and we'll have a Who Am I? Today, it was Kingsley Hunter. Three AFL clubs. He was with the, he was a, 
on the uh, Fremantle Dockers list when they first launched in the mid-90s. He then, of course, went to the Western Bulldogs and he also played one game at Hawthorne. He played in four games against the Dockers and played in four wins. Peter Vlahos from five with Drive. Thanks for your company. Do it again tomorrow. Well done to Chris Clafunas, Special K. And thanks to all those. Don't forget, you can go to our podcast, sen.com.au is our website. You can download the podcast wherever good podcasts are podcasted and downloaded. You can have a listen to our show in full or some of our features, including our wonderful interview today. I really enjoyed it with Rachel Lynch. Well done to Alex. Well done to Special K. And thank you for listening. I'm the King.